Welcome to the podcast where we talk to guests about five moments in their lives they'll never forget. This is Backstory with Steve Legg. It's fabulous to have you with me today on the new show, where I bring together an incredible array of stars of stage and screen, stand-up comedians and magicians, writers and artists, leaders and entrepreneurs, to chat about the five significant times in their lives they'll never forget. It's great to have you here. This is Lieutenant Colombo, and you're listening to Steve Legg's Backstory Podcast. The most fun you can have without a cigar and a trench coat. All right, I think I've bothered you enough today. I'll let you go ahead and listen. Oh, one more thing. Enjoy the show. Merry Christmas from all of us. Just don't ask us to play Christmas songs. Hello, it's Steve here on today's show. I have the amazing Mr. Andy Hawthorne, a British evangelist, author and founder of The Message Trust, a Christian mission organisation based in Manchester, working for over 25 years with young people in the area. Andy's initiatives have been particularly directed at those who are traditionally hard to reach, in prison or from disadvantaged communities. In the early days of the message, and I remember it well, Andy was a member of the Christian band Worldwide Message Tribe, who had great success in the UK and also the American pop charts. These days, is a popular speaker at New Wine, Spring Harvest, Soul Survivor, Keswick Convention and other Christian conferences in the UK. With Mike Pilavacci and Roy Crown, he was one of the founders of the Hope 08 and subsequent Hope Together initiatives. In recognition for his services to young people, he was awarded the OBE in 2011. He's a remarkable character and a wonderful guest. Andy, welcome to the show. Here All he right, is. Steve. How about that? Oh, moving, moving. <laughs> You've done a lot. <laughs> uh, well, it's been a life, yeah. It's been a life. I mean, I'm 60 this year, so I probably should have done. Should I? I'm a bit of an old fella. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. What's what's this year been like? It wasn't quite how you planned things out, because I, I know no. Advanced 2020 was something you and a load of other mission organisations were working towards. Yeah, I mean, we had some mad plans for this year. We, you know, as a the Message Trust to lead this organisation, we planned 14 big regional missions, length and breadth of Britain, to reach hundreds of thousands of young people. We'd uh, planned some massive gigs, massive prayer events. And in the middle of it, I'd planned to have a sabbatical. <laughs> I was going to have three months and had my tickets booked to travel the world and see some amazing things in the wife after going hard for 30 odd years, but none of it happened. <laughs> and uh, so, yes, and I remember May the 24th or whatever it was, May the 23rd, chucking our building and being absolutely devastated, just thinking, what the heck? None of this can happen. None of our plans can take place. And, and also, all the beautiful things that happen in this place that aren't going to happen so it was it was rough at first and probably probably for a month or so it was wow a bit rabbit in the headlights but i do think that you know i'd like to say god's helped us to repurpose pivot and do some very very cool things in the last few months so you know i feel we've really got our mojo back with the message and we're reaching more people obviously stepping up big time online we're doing this amazing feeding stuff into the poor communities and just, yeah, some very, very cool things happening through the message. So we're, we're fully going for it, but uh, it's been a year like no other, hasn't it? 
<laughs> oh dear, yeah, we won't forget this one in a hurry. So, Andy, talking no. of forgetting things, um, the show's about memories, five significant times in your lives you'll never forget, things that have shaped you. And you've mentioned your lovely wife, Michelle. So why don't we kick off? I guess this is pretty important to you, meeting your wife. Can you tell us how that happened? Yeah. So uh, I, my first memory is actually meeting me. I've got memories before this, but <laughs> if you're going <laughs> oh, to have significant memories, <laughs> you've got significant memories, this has got to be one of them. And I do actually remember seeing this gorgeous creature, Michelle Jones, uh, sat on a radiator at the upper room in Cheadle. And in 1976, there was a move of God, basically, in, in Manchester. And uh, particularly in Cheadle, a church, this Anglican church, which was still doing like 1662 prayer book stuff, had about 200 young people in it. And every week, young people coming to Christ, mad stuff was happening. And this young, totally gorgeous, unchurched girl turned up. I was one of the youth leaders. And I thought, yes, please. And so <laughs> about a year later, we started going out and it was a little bit of, what's the youth leader do going out with this young hussy in the youth group? But anyway, it proved okay because 45 years later, we're still in love and I think our marriage is stronger than ever. And I remember my mate, Gerald Coates, being interviewed about maybe a podcast thing like this and Gerald Coates had done a lot in his life. You know, he'd launched this March for Jesus thing, been instrumental in and Spring Harvest and Asset, this Massive A's charity he launched a, a whole basic house church denomination, like Pioneer, done a lot. And this person lifted all these great things that Gerald had done. And he said, what's the thing you're most proud of, Gerald? And he said, mm, I think I've had one wife and I've loved her. And I thought, really? wow, that's quite something to say, isn't it? And so, yeah, and he, he that was the thing. And I know Gerald and I know him, and they've got this funky marriage. Very different people like me and Michelle, but beautifully compliment each other and I remember I also remember if I could just say this as well I was at this this uh, conference thing at the GMEX I think it was and there was a little panel and uh, people could ask questions from the floor and it was me and a guy called Ben Cooley oh yes I know Ben Hope, yeah Hope, Hope for Justice this fantastic ministry that works with traffic people and that whole thing and Glyn Barrett who leads the largest church in Manchester audacious church and they asked me as what's the most the one thing you've learned between you in decades of ministry and that. And uh, Ben said, well, my thing is never forget the poor. Always remember, remember the poor and always make them a focus of your ministry. I said, um, keep Jesus front and center. You know, keep your eyes on Jesus through all the nonsense you have to go through leading stuff. And I thought they were both good answers. You know what Glyn Barrett said? Go on. He said, I've learned that if me and Sophia are right, Everything's right. And I'm like, oh, I wish I'd said that. You know, Sophie is his wife. And there's something about that. If you've got a woman like Michelle Hawthorne who's journeying with you through all the challenges, all the pressures, all the weirdness of leadership and joys and all that, you've got someone by your side, you've got a precious prize. So she deserves probably first place in all my memories, but Michelle, well done. Love it. This is the Backstory Podcast with Steve Legg and friends. So here I am with the one and only Mr. Andy Hawthorne, member of the Christian band Worldwide Message Tribe. I remember many years ago at Spring Harvest, I was hosting After Hours and I couldn't believe it. We had about 10 people in for our After Hours show. Normally you have hundreds 
And um, I was ribbing the stewards to open the doors. And they said, well, well, you, you know, we have opened the doors about half an hour ago. And I stuck my head out and we had about two and a half thousand people queuing for your farewell gig. Mm, yeah. So thanks yeah. for that. <laughs> Tell us about the tribe. <laughs> you were hugely popular um, all over yeah. the world, particularly in America, I know. Yeah, well, after. So basically, you know, I became a Christian then in the late 70s. Met Michelle, got married, set up a business with my brother. And uh, we were pretty successful, fashion accessory business. But all the time, I really wanted to do Christian evangelism. And we organized some massive gigs called The Message 88 and The Message 89 in Manchester. And on the back of that, me and a mate formed a band, which we call the Worldwide Message Tribe. Not because we ever thought it was going to go global, but just because we liked the name and <laughs> it sounded a bit ravey and rave music was in in the late 80s. And we formed this band just literally to go into inner city high school. And I actually genuinely think, Steve, that we did something. Because I remember on the first first thing, we did a cassette tape and said, look, if we ever make any money from this cassette tape, it's going back into the ministry. We're not going to keep it. And we said, we're not going to bother who's writing the songs because it's all going to go back, whatever happens. And we weren't, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. I certainly couldn't sing, dance or rap. <laughs> but, it was all about reaching these inner city kids. But honestly, God just blessed it so much and opened so many doors. And it is mad that we had hits around the world and we sold hundreds of thousands of albums. And I remember, it's my second memory, um, getting off a plane with Michelle and now two kids. They have two little kids uh, with the band in uh, in New York. And there was a stretch limo waiting for us. Oh, First time I'd ever been in a stretch limo. They took us <laughs> to this fancy hotel, did this enormous gig at this festival. And people were queuing for two and a half hours for that autograph. Oh. In fact, my son Sam was about six at the time, was at the end of the queue signing. So anybody who's got any merchandise of the Worldwide Message Channel at that point, I'm Sam's little skulls. <laughs> anyway, but it was just mad. It was just and in and knew it was the Lord and we were always like it's all and we'd only do these kind of gigs in school holidays because the focus was school holidays and we turned down all sorts of massive gigs around the world. But and I think actually if we chased it because we you know we were, we had a deal with Warner Brothers and and all these promises of I remember, I remember the boss of Warner Brothers ringing up once when we had this sort of hit and he said hey, guys, I'm going to make you very rich men. <laughs> and we're like, oh, yeah, I, that was never really the plan. We were we just thought we'd reach a few kids. But on the back of but we kind of did keep that focus, and we did plough everything back we made from the band, you know, into into ministry. And I think, you know, if we'd not done that, we probably would have had a bit of fun for a few years, and then it all would have fizzled out. Mm. But, you know, 30 years later, we've got this, we have got a worldwide message drive. You know, we've got people, 36 nations who are running our programs and hubs all over the world and thousands of people being reached day in, day out. So what a journey. And I tell you, you want a Bible verse for it, Steve. The Go Bible verse is, the eyes of the Lord range the earth looking for a heart. And that's what God's looking for. He's not looking for the sexiest, smartest, best resource person. He's just looking for a heart. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. The eyes of the Lord range the earth looking for a heart. That man or that woman, of course, he will strongly support a heart fully committed to him. And I do think, you know, whatever, late 80s, we had a heart for these kids in the inner city and God just decided, bush, I'm going to bless it. Oh, and big time, didn't he? Was it a hard decision yeah. to, to actually stop the band, Andy? 
Well, I was, you know, by the time I finished, I was 38 and thinking doing this funny rapping in these ridiculous <laughs> costumes. But actually, it wasn't. And, and the, uh, you know, the, the charity had grown then. And I really, I, it was, yeah, it was kind of hard. And I kind of missed these crazy gigs, screaming people and, you know, thousands of people hearing the good news. But it, it wasn't that hard. And the band did continue for a few years, you know, without me. And suddenly they became talented. (laughs) (laughs) In the latest bumper edition of Sorted magazine, big name exclusive interviews, Hollywood A-listers, TV adventurer Bear Grylls, inspirational true life stories, adrenaline-fueled sports features, all this plus gadgets, entertainment, motoring, movies and technology, plus probably the greatest team of Christian writers ever assembled. Available now from high street retailers nationwide. Or visit sortedmag.com. Sorted for men, for life. Now, Andy, you must have hundreds of embarrassing stories, things you would love to forget. Have you got a story from being on the road? Yeah, you you mentioned one of them. One of me stories had to be a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> yes. And um, I remember, even now, oh dear, I remember going on the Virgin Pendolino train for first or second time. And you know where the Virgin Pendolino trains disabled toilets have those doors that open very slowly at the press of a button. Remember that? I've and, never and before, I've never been on one. <laughs> you? No, well, I, mean, I drive everywhere. <laughs> Manchester to London. So the the doors open very, very slowly and very and anyone can use them. But they also used to get incredibly crowded. You'd have to fight your way through the crowds to the Virgin Pendolino. Anyway, so so I went in the toilet. <laughs> Dropped my trousers, as you do. Sat on the toilet, and I hadn't locked it properly. So very, very slowly, this door, and I can't, you can't reach the button to close the door. So very, very slowly, the door opens, and outside is about forty people. They were all looking at me with the chins on the floor, and I know what they're thinking. Hey, I've seen you. You've been in my school. Brilliant. <laughs> so, so then I had to cover myself up, shuffle across the Virgin Pendolino disabled toilet, press the button and get it closed. Well, that, that's bad enough. Lock the door. But then I had to think, I've now got to go outside, back into the carriage. And it's so crowded <laughs> that all these people are there. And as the door slowly opened, of course, there's hilarious laughter with this clown who's uh, made an absolute embarrassment of himself. And one or two of the kids are going, oh, and the author from the world wide message tried. So it was a bad moment. It was a shocking moment that hopefully will never happen again. Whatever you do, when you use one of those disabled toilets on you know, Pendolino train, make sure you've pressed the lock button. And it, now I've noticed what they've done since then. They actually tell you it's locked. There's a little voice that says, this door is locked, but it didn't happen in my day. And it was one of the most embarrassing moments of my entire life. Steve Legg brings you the best podcast every single month. It's so great. He's a great guy. No one knows more about great podcasts than me. The features, the interviews, even the adverts. It's a great show. Fantastic. Enjoy the show. I told you we get great guests on this show tonight. Tell us about um, getting your OBE, Andy. That must have been an incredible day. Yeah, it was pretty cool. You know, although there is, you know, there are there are ruder names, but some people say it stands for old bigger, <laughs> and you've got to be careful. And you've got to be careful. 
when these things happen. Well, you get your letter from the Queen. And what happens is you actually get, and it happened to me in 2011, you get your obituary before you die. You know, most people have to wait till the funeral for all these people to say lovely things about you, which is kind of sad, isn't it? That people, you know, say all these brilliant things. But when you get an OBE, what happens is you get hundreds, possibly thousands of messages from people saying, well done, mate. And especially because, you know, I'm an evangelist and Christians, I think, love the fact that this Mancunian evangelist was getting honoured by the Queen. And it was for services to young people in Manchester, which I love that as well, you know. So, but I'm well aware that I was getting the credit and behind the scenes were thousands of people. Some were living in Britain's most deprived communities. Some were slaving away anonymously. Some were praying for me every day and nobody knows, you know. And on the final day, that'll come out and, you know, I won't be laying me OBE at Jesus' feet. But it was still a very, very cool time. The only slightly disappointing thing was that I didn't get it from the Queen. And I remember um, went, went to Buckingham Palace and it was like, you know, great, take your family and all that. And there was celebs there. I remember Jessica and he was there and Tim Brooke Taylor and, and also some really incredible people who nobody's heard of are just doing brilliant things. It's just a lot of fun. I mean, just amazing to be there. You know, we do these things really well in Britain. But the guy in all his fancy royal regalia came out and he said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to tell you that the uh, the, um, the awards today are going to be presented by His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales, Prince, of Wales, Prince Charles. And there was this literally <laughs> aud- audible noise across Buckingham Palace that went, Mm. <laughs> no, can we come again? Can we not have it off the Queen, please? So, poor Prince Charles, he's probably lived with that his entire life. But that's not, anyway, he was very nice. And he gave us a thing, and we had a big party at this restaurant. And it was just like, hey, you know what? I mean, it's not about OBEs, it's not about awards, but it's kind of cool that that happened and that my family could be involved and that so many people enjoyed it. And people at the message thought, well, maybe we've done okay. So, yeah, so that was very cool, 2011. And, uh, yeah, other blighters' efforts. That's the other one they said it stands for as well. <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. Missing persons. Missing persons. Missing persons. My dad is missing. Your dad is missing. My dad's missing. Uh, where does he usually read his copy of Sorted, sir? The upstairs toilet. Have you checked in the upstairs toilet, sir? No. Go check your upstairs toilet, sir. I'll wait. Okay. Hello? I'm here. He's reading Sorted. I thought so. He really likes reading Sorted. Of course he does. He was so busy reading Sorted, he forgot to tell me where he was. Tell him I understand. Okay. Wait, I I didn't mean now. Sir? Sir? Hey, I'd like to get sorted too. Go missing. Get sorted. For men. For life. Out every two months. It's quite unmissable. Subscribe now at sortedmag.com. I'm hanging up now, sir. Sir? Andy Hawthorne, tell us about a big birthday. Yeah, well, that was this year. My my final memory was July the 8th, uh, 2020. 
And I fully expected it to be the biggest letdown ever. I mean, I was supposed to be in the Middle East, sabbatical in Kenya or somewhere amazing. And uh, it's like, you know, it's, it's, we're in the middle of lockdown. And we were just coming up to the point where you could have six people in your house. Remember that? Yeah, I do. So we had that announcement. So it was July, summer, and uh, they started to allow us to have six. And my wife uh, organized groups of six to come for about 14 hours. So I must have had 100 people passing through the house in shit. <laughs> and they just, honestly, they just, my best mates came, all sorts of surprise people. First person who walked through the door, and uh, it was my friend Joe, girl called Joe, and her husband had died about a month before. One of my very best mates went out for a run and just collapsed and died really, really rough. Anyway, she's a spectacular cook, and she, she said, I'd like to make your breakfast for you. 60th, so she turned up half eight with this beyond belief breakfast, champagne breakfast for me and Michelle and the, the two kids. It was just beautiful. But she also turned up with a bottle of whiskey from her husband who died a month previous. And it was one he'd saved for me oh, wow. 150 quid bottle of whiskey to give me on my 60th birthday. And it was like, <clears throat> you know, very, very poignant. And I, I, I'm slightly embarrassed to say that that was the first of 17 bottles of whiskey I got that day. <laughs> <laughs> Some, I have the finest whiskey collection in the like Northwest. <laughs> yeah, so some amazing ones. But, but just people came just loving on me all day, my favorite people. And what I thought was going to be the biggest letdown day was just an amazing, amazing celebration. You know, and sometimes it's good to stop and look back on God's faithfulness and enjoy your family and your mates because you know you when you run something like the message it's not easy it's not hard to not become a bit of a psycho visionary and work too hard and you know and, and it's good to put a shift in but hey if that your friends and family suffer in that in that context well what's it all about and i just wallowed in my mates and my family and all this love and it was just a brilliant best ever birthday so, yeah, and, you know, at 60, it suddenly started to feel a bit old. And then Boris would say, yes, you know, we we need to, people who are over 60 need to be very careful. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, do me a favor. <laughs> but anyway, so I am, I'm 60, and I'm not, I'm not bothered who knows it. And I uh, feel like I've got, you know, plenty of years to go out. But it was good to stop and just have a little reflection. And, and I got, you know, last year, J. John, you know him, the evangelist very J. Well. John who's one of our very best evangelists. But I got, uh, and I've kept it actually on my desk, um, and he was 60 last year, and he said this, it would be a very foolish individual who on reaching the age of 60 did not pause to reflect a little on where they've been and where they're going. Um, well, I didn't get me full on traveling the world sabbatical, but I did get a month in August when we were allowed and we went up to Scotland and me and Michelle just had the most spectacular month. And if you remember the weather in August, we were like mm. swimming in locks in Scotland and mm. it was just spectacular. And, and so I had that chance to pause and reflect and think about what this next season is going to be like, which I hope is going to be a season of investing in a lot of younger preachers, younger leaders, uh, hope, hopefully flying altitude a bit more and, seeing God do some amazing things. And, and just over that month, some of the things that, you know, were birthed like this, these community groceries we're now doing up and down the country, feeding people, but providing them with loads of wraparound support from the poorer communities, 
like this massive festival we're going to do in Manchester in 2022 and a bunch of other things. So I had that chance to, even though I couldn't go on my full-on sabbatical, to just reflect and pause and think about what I wanted the priorities of the rest of my life to be. So it's been an absolutely brilliant 60th birthday, to be honest. You're listening to the Backstory Podcast, where we remember the good times, the things you love, the things you are, the things you never want to lose. Andy Hawthorne, what a brilliant guest. Our time is up. I just want to ask you a couple of other things. There's something really significant and special about longevity, and you've, you, you have been around for a long time now. Any secrets to staying on track? Yeah, well, I think, well, one thing is don't take yourself too seriously <laughs> and make sure you've got, make sure you've got good friends and uh, who will, you know, be able to see your worst and still cheer you on and, uh, and you can be accountable to. And I guess the other thing is keep your relationship with God hot. Just work at it. There's never, I don't think there's anybody who's actually lost the plot, who has, actually had a vital relationship with God. I mean, like every day, time in the Bible, time praying, hearing, spending time listening to him, reading the Bible. If you do that, I really believe you'll go the distance. It's like the secret that everybody knows, but so few people do, I reckon, yeah. I love that. And uh, it's a few days before Christmas. What are your hopes and dreams for 2021? Well, you know, funnily enough, I'm full of expectancy. Honestly, if there's one one chapter in the Bible that God's been speaking to me about in these times I try and have with him every day, it's Joshua chapter one, which is when they actually came into the promised land and they were they were like confronted by giants, it feels like that's relevant, walled cities all boxed in, all these threats going on, you know, all this fear. But there was a couple of guys who said, No, we've got the promise of God, God's on our side. He said, we're going to inherit the land, so get on with it. Let's get up and get on with it. And I, I'm actually, you know, I think by nature I'm an optimist, but I'm really optimistic for 2021 that God's doing something new in our nation. It's going to be different if we can just hear him and get on with it. But the people are so open. You know, a lot of people are struggling. It feels to me like, you know, leading people to Jesus here in Manchester, particularly with these groceries, like shelling peas, people are just up for it because they're really seeking some hope. So I'm actually fully excited about 2021 that that we're going to come out fighting. It might be initially, you know, in terms of church work, there's less people in the pews, but God's doing more and we're going to see loads of people get into it and maybe loads of house churches and loads of crazy new stuff happening. So I'm very excited actually, to be honest, mate, and I've got a Brilliant people around me who keep me at it. So it's going to be a good year, I believe. Love it, Andy. Thanks so much, pal. You've been listening to the Backstory Podcast with Steve Legg and friends. Catch you next time.